and welcome to the Foodies Reviewing Movies podcast. I'm your host, Callie, and thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. Well, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that we serve up a multi-course, more in-depth review, and then we have our trailer taste test. Well, today I'm introducing the review taste test. I decided to go ahead and bring this layout to the table to be more of like a halfway point between the trailer taste test and the longer single review format. The review taste test will include shorter reviews of recently released movies and TV shows. Oh, and of course, served up with a side of some of the latest food-related news. So pull up a chair because today, I have three reviews for you, two of them are movies and one is a TV series. All right, kicking things off for us is one of Hulu's newer series, The Bear. It's become an instant hit with at least a rating of 85% across the board, and it's already been granted a second season, which will premiere in 2023. Season one of the show premiered in late June, and it centers around an extremely talented young chef who abandons the world of fancy fine dining and returns home to Chicago, where he takes over the family's sandwich shop after the untimely death of his older brother. Though the main character comes to find out that this is a bit of a tall order, as the sandwich shop is in financial and structural disarray. The cast is led by Jeremy Allen White, who plays the slightly disheveled culinary mad scientist named Carmi. And White is known for his role of Lip in Showtime's series Shameless. He's joined by Ayu Atabiri, who acts as Sydney. She's an extremely ambitious and highly skilled chef herself but she is just in such awe of Carmi and his talent that she specifically comes to work at this sandwich shop just so she can work with him. And well, frankly, this actress has perfected playing a perfectionist. Atabiri has quite the resume as well. She took over for Jenny Slate, who voiced the character of Missy in Nick Kroll's Netflix series, Big Mouth. She also acted in the series Dickinson, and wrote an episode for the most recent season of What We Do in the Shadows, which I absolutely love. She did the episode about um, the private school. You will see that it's, I think, within the first like four or five episodes, but uh, definitely a fun one for sure. They are also joined by a fantastic cast, which includes Eben Moss-Bachrock and John Berthnell, who both co-starred in The Punisher. Well, if you've been listening for a minute, you probably figured out by now, I like talking about the casts of films and TV shows. For me, it's important. I really feel like if you don't have good actors, a script is only gonna get you so far. And so uh, same thing really with the script. If you don't have a good script, the best actors in the world could still come off as being flat. So you know that I'm gonna talk about the characters. And in this one, the bear, you know, it's just one of my favorite things is how flawed these characters are and all in their own ways, but they're redeemable. While I thought I was gonna get to love to hate one of the characters in particular, I ended up actually really appreciating that character. And if you haven't seen this before, you'll figure it out very quickly who I'm referring to. If you have, you're probably like, oh yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. I did not like them either, but once you sort of get to see who they are, you see how they handle things, well, I'm not going to spoil it for you. You get to find out yourself if you haven't yet. So I definitely recommend it. And really, this show, it's just brilliantly written. 
it has great pacing to it to the point where it actually leaves you wanting more at the end of each episode. And each episode's fairly short too. It's like 25 minutes or so. And it just makes it so easily bingeable. And the set, it comes off as realistic. And the production crew, they did a fantastic job of honestly conveying the realistic hardships faced in kitchens. I used to work in kitchens. It can be backbreaking work. Your fingers are pruned. You got people yelling at each other because it's hot. You're sweaty. It's uncomfortable. You got people out there you're trying to feed and sometimes they're not so nice. This was very accurate. You're really getting to see a very honest look behind those double doors, behind the counter, and see what's really happening on the other side. And per Parade.com, Bobby Flay recently said that he checked out a few episodes of the series and he thinks that they do a great job and he really appreciates the show's balanced betrayal of the highs and lows of working in a restaurant kitchen. But there's a lot of inspiration in the show, he says. And that's the part that he really loves because he's sort of just tired of the bad restaurant shows, which, you know, I can't blame him. I get it. Well, anyways, by the way, if you are a Flay fan, he has a project that recently came out called Bobby and Sophie on the Coast, and it premiered on Monday, August 22nd on both the Food Network and Discovery Plus. So if you have access to either or both, go ahead and check it out if you're a Flay fan. And uh, the show, it follows Flay and his daughter, Sophie, as they explore Los Angeles' best eats. Oh, also, by the way, uh, some food-related news. The Bear has really beefed up beef sandwich sales. Chicago Tribune says demand for Italian beef is booming thanks to The Bear. And the San Francisco Chronicle says that The Bear inspires Chicago-style sandwiches in the Bay Area. Try and say that like five times fast. But that's really cool that this piece of cinema helped influence the food world and pretty quickly too like i mentioned this didn't come out that long ago it came out within the last like two months so that's really impressive a hand to those who worked on the bear Speaking of bears, also on Hulu is the movie Prey. It's a prequel for the first four Predator films, and it's set in 1719 in the Great Plains region of North America. We follow a young Comanche warrior who assists in protecting her tribe from, you guessed it, the Predator. But the Predator isn't the only foe featured in this flick. Oh, no, no, no. There's also a big ass bear. Yes, that's right. You heard me. I'm not just saying it for funsies. There's a big bear, sort of a little reminiscent of the movie Revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio. But anyways, um, there's also some French colonizers. And uh, the movie has received some pretty decent marks across the board. We have a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb and a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. CNET's Mark Serrell's ranked Prey third out of seven when it comes to the franchise as a whole. And Serrell says that, I love the reoccurring motifs, the way it plays with the relationship between predators and prey. Prey is also a beautifully shot movie set in a landscape that feels a little different from what's come before. I am also in love with the idea of pulling an Assassin's Creed with the Predator series, setting each one in a completely different period in history. And I completely agree with you, Mark. The cinematography is gorgeous, and the landscape acts as another character in this movie. And the fight scenes, they're very well done, and overall the storyline is pretty cohesive. 
So I, I enjoyed watching this. Though on the side of not super enjoying it is um, something else I agree with Mark when it comes to a couple of the scenes involving the CGI. Look, it's just not gonna stand the test of time. It was a bit rough. But overall, it did not turn me off much when it came to the overall film itself. It was just those couple of scenes that it was in. And while the original Predator, it's still my favorite, I think the direction that this film takes us where we get to explore the lives of the Native North Americans from centuries ago, it's a welcomed addition to this franchise. I also really appreciate that the native tongue of the Comanche tribe was used throughout this movie. That really played on the authenticity of this film. And I love that that focus also was carried throughout casting as well. CW's Roswell, New Mexico's Amber Mid-Thunder does an outstanding job leading the bill of fantastic actors who were cast into these roles that are authentic to their indigenous American heritage, which is amazing. And also the film's crew and production team were mostly made up of indigenous people as well. This is so great. I love, love, love hearing this. And that information comes to us per nationalgeographic.co.uk. So thank you for that info, National Geographic. And uh, you know, overall, I think Mid Thunder was extremely convincing as a warrior in the making. I mean, just check out how she throws those tomahawks, okay? Just go watch it. Wow, she does a great job. <laughs> and I feel that she really does have a promising acting career ahead of her. I've seen her in Roswell, New Mexico. She does a good job there too, but this one, I think she just shines in it. I really, really do. But you know, I'm sorry, Amber Mid Thunder, because you got just a little outshone, just a little bit, because there's another star that's on this cast that everyone loves. And it's actually a canine. <laughs> Coco the dog was specifically adopted for this role from Fulton County Animal Services. The shelter took a few minutes to celebrate Coco on Facebook per ScreenRant.com. The post highlights how Coco has no film training, but was adopted by a family specifically to star in the Predator movie. Mid Thunder confirmed that Coco required extra patience since she was not trained, but of course, she won over the hearts of the cast and crew, just like she's won over the audience's hearts as well. And from Hulu to Netflix is Uncharted. It was released on the platform on August 5th. I went ahead and I checked it out last week and you know, Jason and I have spoken about it in a previous episode of the trailer taste test. So I'm not gonna go too in depth into this one, but I will give you my hot take as John, our friend of the podcast likes to say. So my hot take, what I will say is it's not the best or the worst movie I've ever seen. Um, if I had to compare it to food, I would say it's like a lukewarm bowl of soup that you took out of the microwave, you got a phone call, two hours later you come back, you realize, oh, I never ate the soup. And actually at that point, it's not even lukewarm, it's just room temperature. Not great, you're probably not gonna eat it, right? You know, um, so yeah, not great. Nothing about this movie really made it stand out above any other action blockbuster film. I know someone who said they got about 15 minutes in, they tried to go back a couple times and they just couldn't do it. So if that speaks to that at all. If anything, 
It felt a bit like they were trying to revive National Treasure and Lara Croft's Tomb Raider, but they took all the parts that weren't super fabulous and tried to put them together with duct tape, and then it just, when it tried to stick the landing, it fell apart. But look, I don't want to just completely dog this movie. Yes, by that way, that was a throwback reference to Prey. Um, I will say, though, that I did appreciate three things. One, that Uncharted started in the middle of an action scene, and it was miles high in the air. Y'all know by now I love, love, love when they do that, so good on them for that. And uh, number two, Antonio Banderas' prize, 1954 Mercedes-Benz 300 SL Gullwing sports car. Oh, it was cherry. It's that beautiful red car from the trailer. It's elegant. It's sexy. And number three, Tom Holland's bartending skills. They are on point, okay? And I know for a fact that I wouldn't try something like that out of fear of knocking myself in the back of the head with one of those mixers when you toss it behind your back. I would love to try and do that, but I know that I would end up spilling it all over the floor, hitting myself in the head, something. It just wouldn't be impressive. It wouldn't be sexy. So yeah, I'm going to leave that to him. So cheers to you, sir. And another reason to raise a celebratory glass is our first story out of the world of food. Miller High Life has a new ice cream treat that tastes like that of a dive bar, or at least According to foodandwine.com, it does. The site says Miller partnered with the boozy ice cream brand Tipsy Scoop, and the frozen treats start with an actual Miller High Life, aka the champagne of beers, which is infused into the ice cream, giving the final product of a 5% ABV punch. And then from there, there's a peanut swirl in honor of the quintessential bar snack, a hint of tobacco smoke flavor, and a gooey caramel ripple, which is sort of meant to mimic that distinct sticky dive bar floor feeling. And a sprinkle of carbonated candy, which it's really trying to sort of just bring those fizzy drinkers back to that, you know, nice little like freshly poured beer feel. And finally, the whole ice cream bar is dipped in dark chocolate to evoke the dark wood and dim lighting ambience that all good dive bars share. Okay, whoever wrote that, you are a wordsmith. That's amazing description and I really appreciate it and I would like to applaud you. Uh, So I'm raising a glass to you. And uh, if you are interested, if that enticed you enough to be like, okay, I gotta try this, then you can go ahead and order a six pack box for $36 from Tipsy Scoop's website and it will be delivered via Gold Belly. And uh, by the way, you must be 21 years or older to order. And also per foodandwine.com, Doritos has debuted two flavors that, well, they're perfect for summer barbecues and they are a wonderful pairing with hamburgers and hot dogs, apparently. The two new flavors to the US are Doritos ketchup and Doritos mustard. So fun fact, ketchup chips are a really popular thing in Canada. And we do have some listeners in Canada, so I'm sure you're like, uh, yeah, duh. America hasn't had the pleasure of really having ketchup chips yet. So 
I'm sort of excited about because I did have an old co-worker who had some ship to them. They let me try it and I really liked them. And so supposedly we're still supposed to be able to get like that tangy and subtly sweet taste when it comes to the ketchup Doritos. If you are possibly interested, they will be available for a limited time exclusively through Frito-Lay's website, snacks.com. If you're curious as to like how much they're going for, for a 9.25 ounce bag, it's about $5.59. So if you wanna spring for some different chips that you don't normally get, these are interesting ones to try. Well, that's it for this edition of the review taste test. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. Thank you so much. And uh, also, I am going to try and have more people join me in the future. I'm going to have another one of these episodes dropping in a couple days. That's going to be just me. But after that, I am going to have some other folks join me like what I do with the trailer taste test. This was just sort of a spur of the moment thing I thought I would try and uh, get to you guys. So if you would like to let me know what you think. If you don't, that's fine too. But if you do want to get in touch, this is how you can do so. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at FRM Podcast and email us at frmfan at gmail.com.